Our sermon for the week of October 15th, 2023, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, is taken from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And the theme of our sermon is, You're Invited. From Matthew chapter 22. Jesus spoke to them again in parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out his servants to summon those who were invited to the wedding banquet, but they did not want to come. Then he sent out other servants and said, Tell those who are invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened calf have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But those who were invited paid no attention and went off, one to his own farm, another to his business. The rest seized the king's servants, mistreated them, and killed them. As a result, the king was very angry. He sent his army and killed those murderers and burned their town. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So go to the main crossroads and invite as many as you find to the wedding banquet. Those servants went out to the roads and gathered together everyone they found, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wearing wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the servants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The word of the Lord. We need to have things to look forward to. Our days can become so monotonous, so repetitive, that sometimes what drives us most is what's coming in the future. Maybe you look forward to a vacation, some downtime after nonstop work. Maybe you get excited about some sporting event that's coming out or some new TV show that's starting. But there's something special about getting invited over to somebody's house for dinner. They're welcoming you into their most intimate setting of the home. They're feeding you food from their own fridges, food that they went out and they worked and they bought the food with the money they earned. There's something truly special about getting the invite. In Jesus' parable for today, we hear about the most grand invite. A king prepares a wedding banquet for his son. He sends out servants to invite people to the banquet. But they don't want to come. So he sends out others with this message. Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Our reading from Isaiah for today describes what that banquet may have looked like. This is the king. So it makes sense that he's serving his guests the finest wines, the best cuts of meat. But the invited guests don't pay any attention. One goes off to his farm. He has important work to do with the crops. They won't harvest themselves. One goes off to his business. He has clients to take care of. And you know a closed sign makes no money. These two seem foolish enough, but the rest are even more extreme in their rejection. They take the servants and they kill them. Obviously, they have some hostility toward the king. 
But before you could think that the king was some tyrant, that he had it coming to him, listen to how he's treated the subjects. Their farms didn't always bring in enough crops to feed them and their families. But he always made sure that they were well fed, even if it meant having less food on his own table. Their businesses were not always profitable, but when they struggled, he was always willing to pay a little extra just to make sure that they could stay afloat. He was a man who showed mercy to his people. He had understood his great responsibility to take care of his subjects, and so he did take care of them. But this treatment of his servants is too far. Justice needs to be served, so what does the king do? He sends his army to kill the murderers and destroy their town. How could anyone reject his invitation, refusing the feast that he was so willing to give them? How could anyone respond to the king's selflessness by killing his servants? Our Lord tells us that the feast is ready for us too. We're invited to join in his presence in this world as we gather here and are fed by his word and, and the sacrament. But he promises us that what we have here is just a reminder of the even greater feast of heaven. When establishing the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you that I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. What an invite. But what is this feast that he speaks of? It's fellowship with God, the God who has saved us. As we gather here in church, God strips away all of our self-doubt and shame in his forgiveness. It's a few precious moments to be separated from the torments of life in this world and to have a, a taste of what eternity in the presence of the Lord will be like. It's a guarantee that a time is coming without tears and stressful conversations and constant anger and depression. This is what we have right now, and we'll have even more fully in paradise. We hear this beautiful invitation from our king, but we've got excuses too. And these excuses aren't all that different from those invited guests. We say, I, I've got work to do. There's always something that can keep us too busy to go to God's house and worship. We say, I, I need to have balance in my life. We want the kids to be able to play sports and participate in the arts. We don't want to neglect looking out for our family members who are getting sick or old. There's always some excuse. And what makes it even more difficult is the fact that we're not often prioritizing good things versus bad things. We have to prioritize good things versus better things. Yes, it's a good thing for us to take care of our property and make sure that our families have a good place to live. Yes, we want to make time to rest and recharge the bodies that God has given us because we know it's a good thing. But how often do we choose the good instead of the better thing? Sadly, this plays itself out in, in two possible ways. Hostility toward God and his invitation or apathy. Now, hostility toward God is probably the way you've experienced less. 
you know people who have nothing good to say about God's word. They claim it's bigoted or too outdated or doesn't really apply to them. In fact, maybe there are some teachings of Jesus that you really have to wrestle with sometimes because these truths of God, they offend you. On the other side, there's apathy toward God and his invitation. And this apathy toward the word of God is, is something that we know all too well. It's not that we have some deep vitriol for God's word. There are times when we just don't care. And this disinterest in God's word doesn't happen all at once. It starts with the excuses to stop attending church regularly or quit reading our Bibles. That leads us to start looking for core truths in our lives and in other places than God's word. And slowly, very slowly, the promises of Christ fade until our lives have no focus on eternity because they are too consumed with today. In some ways, this apathy towards God's word is even more dangerous than the hostility because we just continue to go through life and the warning light of our consciences isn't blinking at all. We think everything's okay when, when the truth is it's not. Sadly, we see it as we look at our church records. Plenty were baptized here. Plenty were confirmed here. In fact, plenty of the people we consider current members of our church have not gathered with us to hear the word and receive the Lord's Supper in quite some time. I sometimes worry that we're encouraging them in their apathy towards God's word by, by not making time to call them up and ask them why they haven't come back, to ask them if they really care about God's invitation to them to regularly hear the word, or if they've found their field or business that keeps them from being bothered by the king's banquet. Then there are times when I see my own apathy. I show apathy to the word of God when I'm not willing to tell brothers and sisters in the flock point blank that what they need more than anything else is what God invites them to hear each and every Sunday. I show apathy to God's word when I treat it like a task to be marked done. I get less excited to go to God's house and more excited for what I get to do when I leave God's house. I'm not always overjoyed to receive the invite because I've got my own excuses to run off to. There are so many distractions that tempt us all. But for every distraction, there is also an invitation. Notice that the king in the parable doesn't take no for an answer, at least not right away. After nobody shows up the first, the first time at, at his first invite, he sends out his servants again. In the face of the most incomparable rejection, God keeps on calling. You know this because you've experienced it. He called you out of darkness into light by his mighty word working in the waters of baptism. He continues to, to grab you by the hand when you're perplexed by life and trying to fix your problems with all kinds of self-help books and secular mantras. And he leads you again and again to his promises of peace and security. He welcomes you into his house. Not so you can find more of the same of what you experience out in the world but so that you can find a place to refocus on who you are and the always broken world you live in so that you can celebrate the upcoming marriage feast of the sun. Don't ever get distracted from what is most important. 
Jesus' parable, it continues with the master saying, The wedding banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So go to the main crossroads and invite as many as you find to the wedding banquet. God's willingness to fill the wedding banquet is so clear here. He's not curating some exclusive party. His invitation is for all. Let's not forget that when it comes to the people we invite into our church, we want all people to come to the knowledge of Christ. The servants, they follow the master's command. They go out and they gather the people to the feast. But when everybody's in the ballroom, one man stands out from the rest. Apparently, the king has provided special clothes for his invited guests. He, he wanted his son's wedding feast to be perfect, and he wanted his guests to fit the part. So he gave them the clothes to wear. But it seems one man refused to robe himself in the master's clothing. When the king presses him about it, the man's speechless. He wanted to come on his own terms. He did not want to take orders from the king. And what is he showing with his actions? It's not just individuality. It's disrespect toward the one who had invited him. It's thinking he can receive the invitation any way that he wants. The master has him tossed from the party, saying, Tie him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are not different kinds of Christians. There are those who honor the Master and those who don't. We hear of so many people trying to develop their own theologies, right? They'll say, I believe this, but not that. And we're tempted to create our own theologies as well. We take truths that we don't personally agree with and we spin them into ideas that we think can be more palatable. A few examples might be these. The idea that women should not have positions of authority over men is outdated. Have you seen what men do when they're in authority? God has this one wrong. Or does being a Christian really mean gathering together with other Christians? I can pray at home and read my Bible just as well. God is just trying to add a hassle to my plate. Or the only way to heaven being through Jesus seems just a little too narrow for my taste. The God I know would never send people to hell. I thought he was a God of love. You can see how easy it is for us to explain away God's teachings and install our own teachings in their place. And we do the exact same thing when it comes to our sins. But there are not your beliefs and my beliefs. The truth is not subjective. We can't just change it. There is what God's word says. And everything else is either lies or uncertain opinions. Respect the master who calls you to the banquet. Don't take his call as a license to show up however you want. This idea that God needs to contort himself to me instead of me to him, will end in me being tied up and thrown into eternal darkness. And you know what he promises in this feast. He promises to still our hands that are shaking in trauma. He promises to rescue us in times of need, he, and he has robed us in the righteousness of his Son. We go through life not trying to, to make up for all of our sins, 
but receiving forgiveness through the one who gave himself so that we could be beautifully clothed for eternity. Dear friends in Christ, you have something wonderful to look forward to. And it's yours right now. Don't get distracted. Honor the host who waits to call you home. Amen.